Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you GEICO has more than just great savings. Much more. Yes, while GEICO could help you rack up more moolah faster than you can say metamorphosis, they've also been the fastest-growing auto insurer for more than 10 years. That's more like it. Furthermore, GEICO has fast and friendly claim service. That might seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. All the more reason to say no other auto insurer has more more than GEICO. GEICO. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. <laughs> Seriously. Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to RU Instant Reaction Review. I am RUScreening.com's own Mark Eastman. And with me, as always, is co-host extraordinaire, because I like to have that intro. I like that. <laughs> that, Shane, that, that passed my, you know, Shane Leonard. my PR team. Hello. And uh, this week, we are going to be doing Total Recall. And, uh, you know, it, it's actually funny, but we're going to be doing Total Recall. But also, not that we would normally necessarily take, take too much uh, to other critics, but we have occasionally... Mentioned other oh. critics mentioned like Rotten Tomato scores, right. what the general feel I guess movies are getting overall, yeah. and I think we're really going to talk about that this time because yeah. I kind of have a problem with it. I, I really kind of have a problem with the way that this movie has come down. Yeah, and we were talking originally about Rotten Tomatoes and where this movie is on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's like thirty percent fresh. It's somewhere okay. around. There. Hasn't changed it's any since close. the weekend. No, I, actually, I think. When I first looked at it, it was like 33% or 34% or something yeah. like that. And I think it's right about 30% now. And then, you know, by the time anyone looks at this, you know, that may be right. – that may change again or whatever. Um, and we did talk about Rotten Tomatoes before when it was Prometheus. Right. I was trying to remember which one. And and that was the one where I really kind of – you know, I, I really had a problem with just the way Rotten Tomatoes works and especially the way it's kind of perceived – to work. What if someone goes to Rotten Tomatoes, they see Prometheus, they see that it's like ninety four percent fresh. Yep. And they're going, Wow, this movie is really good. Everybody loves this movie. Right. Which is actually not how it works, right? Absolutely at, right. At every every if you're fresh, it just means someone gave you, you know, whatever it is, two and a half or three or right. just barely better than average or whatever it is, right? Right. So if everybody gives a movie just barely a good rating, then right. then you're 94% fresh. Right. And that is looking through reviews kind of how Prometheus turned out. There were not very many critics saying this is great. Right. If you go over to something like Metacritic, then you've got an average of how scores are going. So if something is 90, 94, 95 on Metacritic, right. then that's what it actually is. Right. Is then, that everyone is giving this really high reviews. Right. right. And there's just, you know, you go to Rotten Tomatoes and you see that number. And that's, I think, just what even people who know better, that's just kind of the impression you get somehow yeah. as soon as it says it's it's that fresh yep. that everybody must be loving it. And this movie, I think, is probably going just the other way. And it irritates me just about as much. Although I will say, on Metacritic for this movie, I think it's like right around fifty it's or got, forty-five looked, or fifty or I something. I looked just before I was I was coming in here, and it was a forty-four, which okay. is it, it says it's mixed 
you know, mixed reviews. Basically, right. some people are really liking it. Some people aren't. The highest score that it got, usually when this kind of thing happens, somebody will say it's the greatest film, like it's 100 or of it's a course. 90. The, I think the highest I saw was someone gave it an 80, and the lowest, I think, was... I don't think it was a zero. I think someone gave it a 20. Right. So... And also you've got now, um, I'm a member of the Broadcast Film Critics Association, and they have their own thing where, you know, all their reviewers rate things. And it is coming down, and that obviously works like Metacritic. I mean, what you're getting. You get an aggregate of the scores, right. And they, they, you know, score, you're supposed to rate it out of 10, and so whatever. And I think that was like about 67. Yeah. So the critics, well, it's interesting. So it's, it's at least getting a little bit of a higher play. But I think those probably actually uh, compare the same. The the broadcast film critics is probably what Rotten Tomatoes actually means. It's like everyone's giving it like six. Right. right? Like just right. above. Six out of ten. Just, just a little above average. Ten. Right. And, and, or Metacritic is like it's just mm-hmm. a little bit lower, mm-hmm. whatever. And the way that's translating into the fresh, fresh distributor is everyone's giving it just a little bit below half. And now all of a sudden you look at rot- Rotten Tomatoes and it looks horrible, right? Because it, it's got thirty percent fresh. Your your fight against Rotten Tomatoes scoring has been interesting to see this summer. Just talking to you about it because when you first brought it up to me, you were you know you were like I think this is kind of wrong, like how they're doing it. You hadn't really figured out everything about it yet. It just right. like that day it had struck you. You're like I looked at this and it didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Right. It was so it's seen you it, I've I've enjoyed watching you take next steps every week with another movie and you've been like, Ron Tomatoes is doing this again. Right. Like, you know I think it's been it's been fun. I, I think it's just weird and actually if you go to Rotten Tomatoes and you actually, you know, look at critic reviews and it's it's at least it's a nice, you know, place to get a lot of critic reviews or yeah. whatever where you get a nice bit of information before you have to go somewhere else right. and see the whole review or whatever. And plus yeah. they got the little snippets at least. So it'll say fresh and hopefully it'll say, it'll give you an indication of where it stands. Right. You know what I mean? Instead of just, you know, fresh. And then that, that means nothing. Maybe you know? this was, maybe this was at Prometheus. We talked about how I was a Metacritic guy and you were more of a Rotten Tomatoes guy. And this is how it started to some extent anyway. And I'll say this in defense and also in prosecution of Metacritic, that they're not, they kind of go with the flow sometimes where if you see like Roger Ebert, if it's a, and he uses a five star, you know, four star, four. he uses a four. So if you get, you know, three stars, you can easily numerate that. Right. Some reviewers don't use stars. They don't even use a grade. They just give you a review. And what Metacritic does is, and they, they are upfront about it. They say to the best of our ability, we take the tone and the sense of what they're saying, both critically or favorably. And, and apply it. And we basically try to right. figure out what that score would be. Right. So, Sometimes if you see like Peter Travers from Rolling Stone, who does do a star rating, but if he didn't, you know, and he gave this film like a 60, you would basically have to be kind of investigative and think, well, he didn't really say this, but he did knock it a little and praised it a bit. Right, right. So anyway, that's just to keep everything fair. Like they're not perfect. Right. I just like looking at Metacritic a little easier because it brings all all kinds of different reviews from different places. And I like seeing the, the gradient of who's really nuts about it and who really isn't. Right. And the whole reason that I bring this up, like I said, is just because I think if you look at Rotten Tomatoes, I think this movie is getting a really bad rap. And uh, for how good it is, it's coming across on these, you know, aggregate things, Mm -hmm. I think, a lot as 
as being a lot worse movie than it is. And now now it's interesting because um, I at one point kind of thought we were uh, like on the same yeah, page. I, I, I thought before. we were I thought we were kind of on the same page. <laughs> And now maybe we'll finally get that big difference in our ratings or something. Because, I think we will because it's now be so weird that this because is the now movie you that does it. now you said you have come around to basically hating this movie. Or well, something. we said. <laughs> I love how each week we one are, of us gets to throw the other under the bus under well, some untruthful thing. Well, that's what you said you just said before you the had film started. Around, we right? had been talking and we were talking about personal stuff about families and the weekends and stuff that you know the viewers probably aren't that interested in. And we sat down, and we were getting everything ready, and the countdown started, and I said, I looked over at you, and I just said, it's kind of funny, we, you know, we've been blabbing on and on, I didn't get a chance to tell you that I wrote, I wrote my part, I wrote almost all of the review I wanted on Friday, and as I was doing it, I came around to thinking about the movie different, and you looked at me, and I went, yeah, I don't really like this movie anymore, (laughs) and you, you started cracking up, and then you're like, that's, that's great to know, like, six seconds before we hit well, sure. I mean, that's cool because then everything happens live, I guess. And that, you know, because we we should admit that we saw this on Friday and it's not very instant reaction review this week. Um, right. Just, you know, that just happens some week. It, it's there, un- yeah, there's no, it there's no way to get it done. And um, so we saw it on Friday night. We talked about it a little bit afterwards. And even then, I think I was. Uh, you liked it, uh, you liked I, it more I was, than I did. I, I won't even say a more, little bit. More positive. Than you about Excuse the movie, me. and even but then, you didn't sound. I wasn't totally real negative, negative, and I won't yet, be but. super negative here either. I think I think when we start going over it and we start getting into the actual review at some point, you'll you'll recognize that the stuff I'm saying is really just stuff I said Friday night too. It just it's just that it it's just has, it, it, it said it, it sunk in a little bit. Yeah. Well, it was weird. I'm writing, you know, I'm this is probably really goofy for some people to hear, but I was. I was an English major. I, I graduated with a degree in writing, and part of the fun for me is to, like, if I have something to think about or something to say, I write an essay. Right. Like most people are like, "Are you kidding me? Like you just go write an essay for fun?" I'm like, "Yeah, actually, I do. I can type pretty quick. It doesn't take very long." So I, I I've gotten in the habit of writing the reviews and trying to do the things, especially because we're doing weekly reviews. And as I was writing, I'm just I'm looking down at what my thoughts are, and. Then I started reading what my thoughts were. And it's not a case of looking at the glass and saying, look, the glass is half empty. And you're like, well, I see the glass half full. It's more like I started rereading the things that I was writing and I went back and it was more like I was trying to convince myself that the Lamborghini in front of me was really a Lamborghini instead of a lemon. (laughs) Like, I don't hate the film, but I thought as I was writing more of what I was writing and talking about and a lot of what I was writing was coming out you know, more critical. Right. I just realized I'm like, wow, this is like if I start really looking at this. So if I started if I started looking down and then I can't I hate it when reviewers, you know, they bash a film and you famously love ripping on Ebert for this. You know, bashing a film, bashing a film, and then being like, "Well, it's four and a half stars." Right. Well, it depends I, I think, on why they're bashing it. Right. Too. Oh, and, and there's and all these, there's in, all the ingredients. Of especially course, in but. Ebert's case, like the oh, man. the, the <laughs> I love know, firing you up about the we'll, George Lucas stuff. Right. We'll pretend famous articles that I've written about yeah. Roger Ebert, <laughs> and you know, because like when he's talking about uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, yeah. or like the Phantom Menace. Or, you know, there there are a few that really stand out where he gives these movies like four stars and like uh, Crystal Skull, you know, he says over and over again how completely stupid it is right. and, and how 
the story is like possibly the dumbest thing ever filmed put together into one movie and then goes, but that's what I wanted to see and I love it. Right, and right. four stars. And so it depends on why sure, you're bashing. Absolutely. It, right? And and again, in some respect, um, this is a fine summer film. Right. You know, we talked about it as opposed to other films, both going in and after the after the showing. But it's also like one of these summer films to me that's going to do um, great business opening weekend, and then word of mouth is going to trail off, or, or even not word of mouth, just the the box office tally is going to trail off, right. and it's going to be a one week wonder. Well, music and, has one hit wonders, and films just have one week wonders, and it's usually right. opening week. And and it, and this is just one of those films. It's for me. in a bad position for that too, because absolutely next week is going to be born, and everyone's right. going to see born. I still feel like I am pretty, you know, defensive of this film. I think there's you had a lot of fun with it. I think there's plenty of good stuff. And now here's the thing: um, going into this movie review, I mean, okay, obviously everyone knows it's Total Recall. Right. We know what's happening. It's not a you know straight remake. It's kind of like a maybe reimagining a little bit. I think, kind of yeah. kind of an See, this idea. Is, we'll start disagreeing on the way here. It's um yeah. It's not like a straight it's definitely this not is a exactly remake. what right. happened. It takes a I'm lot just of liberties. remaking it exactly. Yeah. It switches things up a bit in a fun way. Like part of my part of my liking the movie was that it took chances and went in a different direction instead of just right. carbon copying like this is the idea, this is the same thing. We're just going to recast it. Right, right. And um, not only that, the thing that I think is funny is I have been looking at lots of things uh, being, you know, tossed around on the Internet, uh, not even necessarily by critics, but just other people yeah. saying things, you know, trying to, you know, keep my finger on the pulse of right. whatever just any old person is babbling. And the thing that I think is kind of funny about what's coming out is the, you know, reference to Philip K. Dick. Right. That everyone is talking about. And Philip K. Dick um, is just a goldmine of science fiction movies. Right. There's, you know, you could be making a list of the movies that, that were inspired that, or taken from. Right. Them. I mean, I mean that a are ton of them. Not only forever, but some of the greats. I mean, like yeah. Blade Runner. Yep. And then, you know, pretty recently we had stuff like Minority Report, which was kind of okay and pretty closely related to the story. Yeah. And then there's Paycheck, which is like kind of closely related to the story and somehow made it awful mm, anyway. Yeah, not great at all. Because I love that story. Yeah. And it was kind of what happened in the story, except that it you know, mm -hmm. just like goofified everything or whatever and just made it kind of weird. Um I didn't like that movie. But this one and the original Total Recall they have the exact same thing in common, at least as far as Philip K. Dick, which is if you like this movie and then you go, okay, I'm going to go read that story, you right. are in for a hell of a shock. Right. It's got a great re – I'm not going to ruin it. It's got a really fun ending, and it, it's worth picking up. It's not It's not super hard to read it. You know, no, It's very it quick, is, but it is fun. It is majorly a short story, right? which I think is funny because we're going to play a clip of an interview with Len, Len Wiseman in just a minute. Right. And I think in this clip he like refers to you know the Philip K. Dick novel whatever which it is it is so not a novel no. it's not even funny it's 
barely a short story. Right. I it, mean, it in may, some technical some collections sense. may have it other is. short stories around it, and then called it like a novel with you know. Yeah, I don't collection, know. I don't know, but it is really short, and it has almost nothing to do with what happens in either movie. Right. I mean, it is only like you know, there's a recall place where you can go get memories <laughs> implanted in your mind. That's similar. And other than that, I mean, right. I'm, that's really kind of about it. I think it is actually something about. Is Mars in it? I think yep. it is actually like there's the whole going to Marsness yeah. of things. But other than that, I mean, it has right. nothing to do with any of this and this, you know, the whole spy and the counter spy and the whole anything. I mean, it's that's just not what happens in the story. Anyway, um, but I think for this movie, and uh, you know, we can kick off like Colin Farrell is interesting in this movie. I like Colin Farrell. I wish I, don't, that guy, I, wish I don't he would have a was, breakout. I don't think he was great in this movie, but mm-hmm. I think he did a pretty good job with what this movie was trying to go for, which is one of those things where it's kind of weird because he doesn't really stand out as being great in this movie to me. He was certainly mm-hmm. good enough. He was yeah. he was fine enough for me, and it's one of those things like when I just said I think like last week like if you're going to bash Kristen Stewart's acting in Twilight like really is that the problem you know I mean right. even if Colin Farrell had been better worse whatever it wouldn't have made any difference this is not the thing that you have to work with where you're right. going to display great acting or anything I think there were a lot of moments that he did pretty good with but. Well, he's got huge shoes to fill. Look, we're, I don't want to constantly you know, bring it back to Schwarzenegger's film, but you kind of have to in some regard over and over again. And he's a different actor. He's, I, I remember telling you when we started the movie, I thought Colin Farrell was by leagues and, and bounds a much better actor than Schwarzenegger. But he doesn't seem to have the presence right. that Schwarzenegger does. For Colin Farrell in this film, he doesn't play it glib. Like Schwarzenegger did, he doesn't have a bunch of throwaway tough guy memorable lines that you're going to be quoting that right. and you know, whole, parties later. He takes movie, this role super serious. The whole and plays movie it. goes that direction. Right. Too. He I mean, he plays this super serious. He's right. he's basically this guy and he's trying to stay alive. Right. And uh, you know the thing that I think uh, I don't know kind of comes through for me for this movie is that. I feel like even though okay, there's the remake, and mm-hmm. in a way, there's sort of the Philip K. Dick material, although it's, I, I feel like right. it's meaninglessly related I do too. to either movie, really. Um, but it is a remake of the original movie, but I really feel like you just have to let the movie be what it's trying to be and and judge it on that. We, we can go into this further, and I would, I would agree, but when I started thinking about it more, the number of times that Wiseman just whether he was paying homage, you know, well, it'll be after the clip. My point may be better referenced after the clip when you get to it, I guess, because I don't think that he, you know, I don't think it's, it, it would have been fair to keep them separate really we, and keep this can, one and keep this we can one do going it now. for it. It's a, it's a short clip. Well, I, I was just going to say my, my feeling is that, you know, that doesn't qualify because he did so many things following Paul Verhoeven's movie. Like, he literally used scenes. If he wanted to keep it separate and not remake that film or have other things in it, he had all kinds of ways to do that, and he chose not to. Well, I think there's... So a, I don't think that's, I don't think I, that's I fair, think, and that's one of the reasons why I didn't like it as much. I, I think I think there's a difference, and uh, I don't know. For me, I think it is fair, but and you cannot think it's fair, yeah. and that's okay. But <laughs> I think there's a difference between remaking you know, the story and remaking the movie. And I don't think he I, 
think I might have to kind of give it to him that he was not remaking the movie. He was making a mo- He was making the same story, but with a very different tone and with different things we were trying to say. And it, you know, like the first movie is kind of really pretty solidly like action adventure mold. Right. And there's Absolutely. here's the reason we have the action adventure. And then every once in a while in the action adventure, you have these, you know, almost silly things happen that are like some comic relief. And you've got Schwarzenegger in it. So obviously he's got to have his moments where he just gets to be Arnold Schwarzenegger at you. And the whole movie put together, though, it fits really solidly into the standard kind of mold of action adventure. And it it does a good job. Um, But this movie is really a chase movie. And and not quite so much, even though there's all this action and everything happening, obviously, it's not really so strictly an action-adventure movie. It's like, it's just a bunch of chase happening. And and it's a different, it's a different world, kind of. I'll and, give you... and I feel like I want to judge it a little differently. Yeah. You know, that's like why, when we came out, you were like, okay, which one's better? <laughs> you know, right. the first one or this one? Well, and I don't feel like I can really answer that question. I understand question, that. You know? I understand. I mean, they they have a lot of similarities. They have a lot of similarities to me. And this is the this is the filter that is good that we both have a different take on it. You know, you're looking at it as one big, you know, chase film, and I can appreciate that. There's certainly evidence there for it. One of the big reasons the movie doesn't work for me is that it's just one extended, long, boring, repetitive video game. I just saw this four minutes ago. I'm going to see four more minutes of it. Chase. And in more thinking about it later, the more I started to think back on it and not to compare it like, well, there weren't that many chases in the original. It's not that I'm holding it up against the original. And in a lot of ways, my end review about Wiseman's film was I just wish he could have done a reimagining of Total Recall and made it his own and done a lot of really interesting things with it. If he didn't, for some reason, keep reminding us that it was a remake of Total Recall. Every time I'm watching the film and a name comes up that's familiar from the Schwarzenegger film, whether it's Quaid, you know, which is hard to not bring up the main character's name over and over again, but anytime Melina comes up or um, Cohagen, and I'm, and I'm brought out of the film, I kept feeling this weird thing like I wanted to have fun with it because it looked like it was fun. Right. But then when it reminded me that it was something else, I was thinking, man, if th- this would be a lot more fun if it wasn't a Total Remake film. If this had just been his version of a spy with crazy memory problems on the run to figure out who he was and why they were after him, it would have been so much better. But right. it kept it's, getting in its own way. Well, I, so anyway, that's that, no, that's I, part I, of my. I can take. see your point. Like, um, you know, in a way, that's sort of a, a similar thing that I often have. Like, you know, when we were talking about Bane, right? And that's just like the recent example. But right. I, but I kind of. I frequently run into that problem with like superhero kind of things, you know, if you're going to make a movie and you want it to be this and this and this, but you're going to change everything about a character, make another character. Right. Right. I mean, if you're going to make, you know, if somebody were to make, you know, a Superman movie and is like, I want to do this with Superman. Right. And it's not going to have any ties to all this stuff from the comic yeah. books or whatever. I'm like, well, then, you know, call him something else. Man, and going to see Man of Steel it, with you is going to be whatever. a riot. You know he's like an Alaskan fisherman for a while. No, but he, Now you know. This is going <laughs> to no, be a lot of fun to go sit with you. But anyway, okay. But, so. but anyway, so I, I can I can kind of see the point there because – 
because um, you just had it because you had if, it last week. If we you're flipped. going to if you're going to sort of pretend that it's Philip K. Dick's work, right? You could do right. anything with Absolutely. that, right? right? Because it has nothing to do with right. the movie anyway, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so then, yeah, you could, you know, it, they change enough, and it's funny because they change enough that it's like that. There's no Mars. There's just you know England and parts of Europe that are new, their own right. new thing now or whatever that the is. New Federation then, of Britain, and then Australia, which is the colony, right? And you know, there's no Mars. Right. There's, there's. Get, I'm okay with that. That was cool. So am I. Yeah, right. I thought that was actually all right. There's a little tube you get on that goes through the center of the Earth and connects them. And so there's, there's no Mars. There's nothing about you know air, right? Mm-hmm. And whether or not the poor right. people on Mars get enough air or right. whatever. The, you know, that's not our concern anymore. They switched it's it. Just it's living space. space it's right. right. The commodity of the first so, time was air. So we're changing all this stuff. We kind of change to a certain extent, like how he gets there. I mean, yep. he, he gets there because he goes into the total recall place, which is the same as generally very, the same very idea. generally the same but memory we, enhancement, but we switch it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and so if you, if you're going to change that much stuff, then just change everything. I mean, just change everyone's name, change, right. you know, or whatever, or don't have all these references. I guess that's a pretty good point. Maybe that well, if, if you're, if you're going to keep, Reminding people of the other movie, especially like yeah. things where um, things like the scene where we're trying to convince him that he's not really there, right. which is we have that scene in both movies switched around a bit. Right. Um, but basically the same scene. So then if you're going to have a scene like that, then you are really just saying, I am remaking it. And that's not the and, only And then scene, we're changing but, right. all this other stuff. But, right, that's right. just an example it's just, it's, that, that keeps coming up. Right. Which, you know, one thing that everyone keeps mentioning about this movie is the woman with the three breasts. Right. Because there's there's no connection of that to anything. There's no mutants in this movie. No, unless you count the three-breasted woman. But Well, right. Well, she's supposed but to not be a mutant. She's supposed to be an alien or something. She's something. I, well, who knows what she is? She's maybe, something. Maybe she just had, you know, the corrective. Maybe the next, the next level of right breast and it's, augmentation and it's, surgery. And it's those is things that are okay. That little like nod, nod, wink, wink to the original. Like that's cool. She's like, in it for just like a couple three seconds. seconds, right? And but One the, the other rest. scene, the other scene is like a huge long scene, right? Right. Um, well, but there's something about the fact that he changed it enough, and and. I guess maybe I just kind of can deal with like the chase genre better. I get because it's it's almost like you know if if what you now don't like about the movie is that it's like oh my god it's like chasing after action scene after chasing after you know shooting at him and he just ducks out of the way in time right. to another one to another one and there is not a lot of story going on in this movie. Well, right? pro- yeah. there there is like. There's like cliff note story happening. It's the here. most generic story, and that's okay. That's not even really right. what bugs me because I didn't go into this thinking it was going to be the English patient. Well, you know, right. I mean, because when I go see a film like that, I expect there to be very little action and a lot of character dialogue, right. story, feeling, emotion. Like in in the sense that the actors themselves did a bad job. No, it, it, kind of. You know, Colin Farrell is fine. Um, Jessica Biel, who though I've never been a big fan of, I'm not going to necessarily 
you know, she hardly, crap on her performance. She hardly did She's not really in this movie enough. Do well, right. But but she and Kate Peckin, uh, excuse me, Beckinsale are pretty interchangeable. Jessica Biel could have been yeah. Kate Beckinsale, and Kate Beckinsale could have been Jessica right. Biel. Like so, when you think about it like that, when I started writing that, and I'm like, well, actually, the two main it's just main, how the characters are, right? It, whatever. I, it's, I it, guess I don't, I don't think know, in the first film, Sharon Stone. Thing. It, I don't know if it's an act; those two actresses. It's yeah. just the way those characters are in this movie. What's interesting about the first film, and again, there, it deserves some comparison because it really is anchored to it for me, is that Sharon Stone is not as vicious as Kate Beckinsale is in this film. And right. in the original movie, the, the woman who played Melina, whose name I'm blanking on, um, is much more vicious than Jessica Biel in this film. So there's like a weird right. flipping of things here. But I just thought they were interchangeable and not necessarily getting into the whole fighting thing, which I'm sure you're going to bring up because I thought it was a great point that I'm going to leave because it's your point. So you make that later. But Bill Nye and Brian Cranston, Bill Nye is so terribly, terribly, terribly underutilized. He basically just has a 45-second cameo right. that's like, oh, you found me. Well, what you think is the construct of the reality. And do you have any more questions? Right. Okay, here's the chair. Like that's that's a cliff note version of already a cliff note performance, and it's unnecessary. It's bad storytelling. The only person that was kind of awkward to me out of the whole film, and it's not Kate Peckinsale doing her best Terminator. You know, I, she's she's married to Len Wiseman. They've got yeah, a history do, of doing the underworld. I films, do have to say, so she though, knows that this she, is how she wants to be the badass, and that's I, fine. I do have to say though, she kind of runs funny. Oh, was that just me? I think that was just you. I didn't there, have any problem watching there, her run. There's something about the way she runs. I like it. Where it's like she's in the hundred yard dash, you know, and she's got her hands like in, oh, in like she's always karate sprinting, yeah, form, and like that's how she runs. It's like I don't, I don't know. That's, just that's like, how the English. That just really stood out to me, and it was. I th well, thought it was very strange. Well, I thought I thought one of the most interesting things about the film and the choices, you know, like we said in the beginning, Colin Farrell plays this razor straight. He's not joking. He's scared. He's frightened. He's trying to emote all of these different things while staying alive. And along the way, so does Jessica Biel, so does Kate Beckinsale, on and on. Brian Cranston actually is like basically winking, winking, nodding, nodding, twirling his evil mustache. Yeah. Like he actually, his performance seemed so out of proportion with what everyone else had established right. and founded. He, he that was, when he, he shows up, like he's super character. And it was really weird, weird to see Len Wiseman do it. It's not that, you know, Brian Cranston's an amazing actor. And if you have any doubt about it, watch any season of Breaking Bad. But I would suggest starting with the first one. Otherwise, you'll be pretty confused. The guy just either wanted to show up and chew scenery, or he just yeah, he got I, the worst screen notes it, it, from it the was, director. It was kind of weird, and he was like basically cackling. Most he of the was time. like, it was and then and then the you're top. expected to believe that this guy who is this twisting mustache, cackling caricature of a bad guy, right. um, is going to go one on one with Colin Farrell and present any danger, which again well, leads to other things that I'm not going to interrupt because right. these are yours. But anyway, well, these are some of the things about the film that just they all piled up. You know, it was fun. It's it's really pretty to watch. You know, even though it basically riffs on a lot of other things. And that was in the end when I looked back on it, I'm like, man, this was a movie that I tried hard to like because I was in the mood to like it. Right. And I just noticed that they didn't really have any originality to it except in a couple places. Which and one of the really fun things that you just mentioned was the tube of transport that they call the fall. Right. Between Australia and Britain. I actually really like that idea. Yeah, That's a that really cool, cool thing. And like what you said at the end is this is how you stop 
an invasion, you basically take away the transport for Well, them. right. I thought I like, thought, I thought that, that was, was a good I thought that was very was a great construct. I thought it was very cool because of the way that it kind of came together. Because um you, you know, do we it we're in the future. Right. Do we need that to be the way that you can get from one place to the other. Right. And I guess part of the thing is that, you know, the, the whole rest of the world is supposed to be uninhabitable. Nuclear fallout, right. uninhabitable, whatever. Right. So there's only these two places where, for whatever magical reason, you know. The, right, have it, left them alone. Yeah, the yeah. radiation <laughs> left them alone or who knows what it is. Um, but I thought it was really interesting because we don't have Mars now. Mm-hmm. And we don't have, like, the limited... You know, you can't go outside right. because of the air. air. Right, you can go. Right. Um, just going to bump into people. Sure, but <laughs> but what we needed was at the end, uh, the you know the one place is invading the other. Yep. And how and how can one guy really stop that? And you're sitting around, right. you're trying to put your movie together, and you're going, look, we need a way that one guy all by himself, right. Can you know, or pretty much all by himself, or whatever, right? Can diffuse a whole invasion Legion of forces, right. right? And how can we do that? And so it's like, well, what we'll do is we'll have this be this and that, and you know. And I thought that was like really was well constructed, I it was very creative, and it set it up right, right. And, and they establish it in the credits, basically opening, right? You know, and they're like, this is this, this is known as the fall, this is how people go to work, and and I was like, that's cool. Right. I, I, th- I thought that was really interesting. And, you know, the fact that it's not some, uh, you know, goofy CGI thing that we can do just because we're doing it. Right. Like, you know, if that had never connected to anything. Right. Then by the time you're done, it would have been like, well, whatever. That was like, that was like a has been gimmick, from the right? core. Right. You know, like. Right. But, but it actually serves a function. Yeah. And I thought that that was really pretty impressive. Yeah. Actually. That, I did too. That they got they that get a lot of credit together. for that because that's fun. And and then, um, you know, the the action scenes, even though, you know, you're talking about like it's just one chase <laughs> scene go. after another after yeah. another and all that, which I think there there really is kind of a genre. There is. That There's is a, and I love chase, chase movies. And I, I like them pretty well. Uh, I they're, think they're, they're not They're not like my favorite thing ever or anything. But yeah. if you stick this movie in that category and judge it because of that, then I don't think it's at the same time fair to say, well, there's just all these chase scenes, and I was, and then, so then it was just this after this after this, and now I'm bored. And then, uh, you know, that's like a critique of the genre itself. Yeah, but I don't, me. Not, I don't like, agree. Not that, the movie. I understand, and you're right. I don't agree that this was billed or produced or put forth as a chase movie, though. Uh, I think that it is as a product of. I think that this film is a chase movie for different reasons than than you might. And my feeling is that it was a chase movie because there wasn't enough story or character or care to the story. And instead, when you have those moments, what do you do? Well, you have your screenwriters write an extended chase scene. Like and then what you do... Like you, it's accidentally you, a chase movie? It's, it's a chase film by lack of imagination versus like a heist film, you know, when you've got these kind of things that... It, that facilitate tons of chases or well but a heist I mean, film is not look a chase you could film. argue you could argue that Raiders of the Lost Ark is a chase film and no, you would be right to do it. I could and I could say that Indiana Jones is basically chasing 
the arc, and he goes through one series of chases and adventures and fights to get into another series of chases and adventures and fights to find this thing. Now, then we'll get into a whole. Well, I won't. Okay, then look, we'll get into a whole new this. argument about okay. we'll what, save what this makes for, we'll save this for over time. But I think that the difference here is that this movie is not set up to be a chase film. That this movie is a sci-fi. What's your identity film? And it is, and it becomes a chase film because the writers didn't want to purposely seemingly lift more from Verhoeven's story already, take more of his map, and they didn't know what else to do. So they extended action scenes, and when they did that, it created a chase movie. Uh, I disagree. I don't think that's true. I think it was put together as a chase movie, and I I don't think that it's like an accident. Like, if you just just have any action-adventure movie that is bad enough and doesn't have enough talking in it, Right, and the action scenes are long enough, then it becomes accidentally a chase movie. I, I don't, I don't think that's true either. It just becomes a really bad action movie. That's true and, too. And I don't think that's, no. I don't think that's where that I is. Agree. I think that this is put together as a chase movie, and maybe that's not how it's billed, and maybe that's mm. not what people are going to expect having seen the first one. Right. But I think, I think that is what it is, and I think, okay. it, I think that, I think it is that. On purpose, I think it's a different kind of drive to a certain extent behind the movie, where there it's in, as opposed to the first one, it's a it's less figuring stuff out and more trying to stay alive. It's more in the category for me than like I would never think of like Raiders of the Lost Ark as a chase movie. I would think of like you know Run Lola Run or like the, or the original Born that. movie or something where. The vast majority of what we're doing is is being chased for one reason or another, and then it's like, okay, now I got to a point where I figure out a little tiny bit that gets me to like, you know, maybe the next stage of what I'm trying to figure out or how I'm going to stay alive or what's going on. I'm going to disclaim this so it never comes back and bites me. Remember I said I could argue that Raiders of the Lost Ark was a chase movie. I didn't necessarily think it was a chase movie, but I said that the ingredients are there. If you look at them superficially, just like I think, maybe I'm looking at this. If you disagree, but I, I don't know. Maybe I but, just didn't see um, it. I think it's probably actually kind of pointless to play this clip now. But since we're no, we got <laughs> since we've only got 20 I love minutes, clips. But we've already talked all circles around what he says. But this is a clip of Len Wiseman talking kind of about making the film and his his idea, I guess, on whether or not it's a remake. So hold up. Officially a remake, um, but if you ask me, it is it does it is a hybrid of, of the two of, the, of, of Philip K. Dick's work and um, and, a little, and and inspired also by Verhoeven's film. And uh, I, I had no interest in in remaking Verhoeven's film. Uh, and I, I I love that film. That film exists and it's out there, and and we can all we can all watch that. So if I was to get involved with this, I wanted to be a different kind of experience. And I really what what drove me was the the, the concept of, of recall itself, and in Philip K. Dick's novel about what just that that uh, that ability that you go in and you pay for um, an experience. I love clips. So boom, there you go. <laughs> I, I, sit, um, I sit corrected. I, I no, actually, when I 
first listened to this and when I was remembering it, because I, I had heard it a while ago. Yeah. When I was trying to remember what he was what the impression I should get of what he was saying when I saw the film, I was like, well, you know, he's clearly insane because he is <laughs> totally just remaking this movie. Right. And, you know, to to some extent, I will give you that. He is just completely remaking the second movie. Part of it. <sighs> but then he's talking about he wants to make something. He's he's obviously going to make a remake. We know it's a remake right. in some sense. No matter what you do, it's going to in some sense it's going to be a remake. Right. It's just saying this is total recall. <laughs> right. You know the remake. Right. Here you go. No matter what you get on screen, but. But I do feel like I kind of have to give him that he was trying to do something that has a different feel to it and does not just come through as going, well, now it's the same movie and we just have better special effects right. now so we can make it look cooler or something. It, it's like a very different feeling. And, you know, a lot of the action sequences, like I'm really kind of a guy where I'm mostly bored with a lot of stuff that comes out in action because it's like, it's the same action I saw in another movie. It's just now it's a transformer or, you know, now it's a, <laughs> right, it's you know, a whatever, or, yeah, you know, whatever. It's turtle. like this character, which is, which is a lot of the reason that I love movies. Like, you know, a lot of the Tarantino movies, like I don't actually love all of his movies, but, right. but you know, he's going, I want this to just be different. Even right. even in movies where he's you know really doing a lot of like paying homage to other people, right? It's still like I just want this to feel different. I don't want to watch a movie that I've watched again, so right. I don't want to make a movie yeah. that I've watched again. And he you know really mixes stuff up and puts different spins on things. And I think that there's a certain amount of success for that here, even in uh, like if you take that one scene where they're trying to convince him that he's dreaming or whatever, right? which, you know, I just always thought that was a really goofy scene, even in the first one. It's kind of a goofy scene. Um, th at best, it's just, it's, it's kind of a, it's a weird thing. Well, it's a kid, that doesn't mean it can't be good. No, 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 I, I know. I, like I, just, I actually I like love it's the, just, I love the moment where you're trying to like, it's odd, it's right? you in a dream trying to tell yourself you're not really falling, you're, right. you're, you're okay, you're going to wake up. And it's a, there's a very different feel to the way that it happens now. And I even really liked certain parts of when we cut that scene and uh, Kate Beckinsale's outside. And now she's right. pretending to be the grieving Upset wife. Upset and crying. And, but, yeah. you know, it's like we're looking at her out through the window. And it's like, well, why is she here? And then we have an explanation for, you know, why she's showing up in your dream. And he's in this building and he's looking out the window and she's out there. And it's like how it would be in a dream. Right. You know, it's it's not. She looked dreamlike. It's yeah. like yeah, she's she really she's did. out there, and there's no noise. You just see her emoting, yeah, and crying, I, and and so, um, you know, for one reason or another, it's a, there's a very different feeling to the scene, even though it's the same scene. Uh -huh. And uh, I kind of like this one better, actually. Uh, I I never really loved the original one, and, and you know, the the thing that's doubly weird about it is that um, we change a scene, and I. Don't imagine this really spoils anything for anyone. Right. But in the original movie, it's like, aha, why would you be sweating if you're just a dream? Right. And I never really liked that because yeah. I just I don't know that I was real comfortable with the philosophy of of that theory of dream sweat working that well. 
you know? Oh. And and you're like, okay, uh, the guy who's talking to you in your dream sweats, then maybe whatever. But in this movie, it's the girl cries, and I right. like that better. Right. I, I like that better as a way that you suddenly go, okay, I know it's not a dream. Of all the things that I have you know, issue with. And part of that is that it's just a reimagining, you know, basically I don't even think it's like a remake or a re it felt like a remix of the film. And to me in some ways, but that scene is better than the original. The, this scene has more emotion, even though it's longer and it is unnecessarily a little longer, but I yeah. don't mean by leaps and bounds. I just, we're always yeah, talking about the length of scenes. Too long, but it just it has a feeling of a couple minutes being it's, too long. It's almost not like, it, it's almost like it's not necessarily too long, but it could go faster right. in that time. And it's a great moment where, you know, if you buy the, if you buy the story and what's happening to Quaid, you know, he's basically unsure of who he is anymore, who to trust and what people are in his life and it's like a violent truant show basically you know he just God, does everything everything's right, flipped right. upside down suddenly for him and he has his best friend um show up out of nowhere who just tries to talk him down and you're this is the best part of why people like these philip k dick stories especially the total recall stuff which is you know the mind job like is he really the spy who was just woken has been awoken or is he this guy who thinks he's a spy because he went to go get a spy memory because he, because he went there and said and I it's, this, be a spy. it's this perfect right. argument about what is reality that other films this is like why the wachowskis love the matrix you right. know it's basically just this character going look what's more realistic that you're in this chair back at recall thinking that everyone's out to get you and that your oh, whole right. life is upside down suddenly or you know, that, that you really, really are this guy, right, and everybody's that, been secretly fooling you for so long. Like, think about this. Right. And and what's funny is that, like, or that the whole freedom of the world relies on you. Right. That Everything. You really you are, are the, the guy. guy. Right. Which is, without giving anything away, a very fun, thinly veiled reference to something that happens in the real story. The, the actual Philip K. Dick story. But... Um, and I like that because I remember the story. Right. But it's just this this scene has more emotion. The other guy shows up and he's just kind of like, "What are you stupid? Put down the gun. Wake up. We're here right. to get you out." And Schwarzenegger finally just doesn't believe him because he sees him sweating and, like right. you said, he thinks you're a figment. You know, why would you be nervous? Right. But here you get a real sense that even though Jessica Biel hasn't fleshed out much of a character, or and that's not her fault, she hasn't been given a chance to because everybody's running. Um, you know, in this moment, she realizes that she might potentially lose him to this double talk. And he starts to kind of like waver and she starts to cry. And that's enough for Colin Farrell. He's like, well, if she was fake, she wouldn't be doing this. Right. I'm just going to shoot my friend in the head. Right. And then he immediately watches the and facade then it, and outside then bleed away. Erupt. And he was right. And or was, he thinks he was right. Because we, you know, who knows whether or not he is. There, maybe right. he's still in the chair. Maybe he's still in the chair. No, I agree. That was, that was. Of the gripes that I had with him lifting things, at least he made that one better. Right, and he did. At least he's at Absolutely. least he spun that. Yep. And um, you know, like I was saying about action movies, and it's the same thing. And this one has a lot of action scenes. Yeah. And for those who are going to a movie, who are going to go, I don't want to see, you know, as much as is in here right. of just car chases, right. running, fist fights, whatever. Right. I mean, this is just not the movie for you if no, you're, if you're not into that, that stuff. Yeah, don't go but the ones that there were, for the most part, were really cool, at least. Even if – even assume there was nothing else good to say about the movie, a lot of the scenes were really cool. The mm -hmm. car chase scene where they have – Surprisingly the, good. Where they have the levitating cars, yeah. and it's some whole weird – 
transportation system. Who knows right. what's going on? But at one point, you're driving almost like you're a regular car, but it, the motion is powered by Magnetism. magnetic yeah. levitation thing, what a maglev system yep. of cars. And so you're driving along, and there's kind of a standard car chase, except what I think was especially really well done with that is that a lot of people would take that scene and you really would just have like a standard car chase, yeah. except that you'd be going, oh, look, we're not really driving, right? right. And, but everything else would be the same. And this one, it doesn't. It, it isn't like that. Yeah. They really it's kept. Original. They really kept in mind the fact that these cars are levitating on magnets, and right. so they're going to do different things. They're going to react different ways. Right, exactly. They're going to do lots of stuff like that. Then you flip around, and the next thing you know, the cars are are suspended by the yeah. <laughs> the magnetic force, whatever, right. whatever it is that's running them, so that they are hanging down from the top of the street, right. and there's nothing underneath them, and they're going along. Right. And then you see this in the trailer where he like breaks the magnetic connection yep. in order to escape. And like I said, um, after we came out of the movie, I really thought that was going to end up looking stupid, especially because they don't show you the end. How that in fall the trailer. is resolved, right? All they show you is that he does that and he falls and they're looking down and it's like, oh, no, he escaped. And I was like, OK, but he has to live through that. And it's going to I just right. suspected I kept that, thinking that was going to turn out really goofy. And right. it came together pretty well. It worked well. So yeah. that was even even doubly. I cool. thought there was going to be some cheesy ejection seat. Glider. Yeah, yeah right. I really just, didn't see how they were going to get out of that. Just throw something in. But they do it because it, we it's need fine. to. And it was yeah. it was pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, and people are sufficiently hurt by crashes. Right. It's another like kind of good thing in right. this movie. And another thing that I do want to uh, mention because I talked about when we first came out. One of the things that I really liked about the way this movie came together and connecting all the action is that Cohagen says, "I want him alive." Right. And um, Kate Beckinsale's character. Right. She tells all her people who are with him, you know, shoot to kill. Kill this guy. She's right. like, I don't care what his orders are. That's crazy. I know who this guy is, and we're going to kill him, and right. I'm in charge here. Even one guy questions her and is like, right. wait, didn't he just – and he says, who's here? Like, right. basically, I'll kill you right now. Uh, right. And so they're trying to kill him throughout the whole movie right. because otherwise – I, I, it just gets goofy, and it's not something. It's not like it, we haven't seen it a billion times. How do you keep missing when someone? Right. Right. Why shoot at them? When, <laughs> right. When you're when you're not trying to kill them. Right. But you know whatever. So anyway, I thought that was pretty cool, and I liked a lot of the action sequences. I liked the I liked the weird elevator that goes in every direction, and we got to jump back and forth between them, kind of a thing. I just thought that was a cool element. Yeah. And maybe it wasn't, like, used the best, and maybe that scene went on a little longer than I would have loved. But still, I liked yeah. I liked that we were spinning things into new places, you know? And yeah. it's like we have an elevator that goes in all sorts of weird directions, and so when you jump out of it, it right. you know, we have to figure out how that works right. or something, and, and it, that was pretty cool. But now we're getting pretty close. Have to, you got, have you run, got anything you want to say about fighting scenes – Oh, that's right. You love because yeah. I just thought that I thought it was a good point. I, mean, to I some thought extent. that I, that was a negative for me at certain points in this movie, especially just because it. You know, it's funny because but it's the sandwiching of the two things. So the one thing is that if you have 
like I said this right when we came out of the movie. If you have <laughs> you were very funny when we came out of the movie. If you have equally trained people, right? They they right. it's not like one of them is just Bob off the street or whatever. And you have Colin Farrell and you have Kate Beckinsale. Their fight, no matter who wins or what happens, lasts like 15 seconds and that's it. Right. They do not go toe to toe, bashing each other over and over again, and minutes. going on and on right. and on for like minute after minute after minute because either she's totally going to catch him by surprise and mm-hmm. you know hit him on the head with a frying pan, right. or you know that's just another like action movie thing. I mean, you know, if you get hit in the head with a frying pan, you're down. Right. I don't care who you are. <laughs> right. Tell us more about your Thursday but, night. Yeah. So anyway. Um, but they go at each other right. too long, and that is the kind of – it's the other gripe, even if they were more equally matched people. Right. Fights among people who know how to fight do not last that long, right. no matter what. I mean, right. I don't care what the situation is or who they are or what they're traded or whatever. And, you know, for like two, three, four minutes, like on and on and thrown into walls and – you know, whatever, and right. it just keeps going on. And in this movie, when there's the first fight between Colin Farrell and Kate Beckinsale, it goes on insanely long too long. Time. And even when they start fighting in the elevator in that right. scene that I'm talking about, that goes on too long, too, because it's not only Colin Farrell, right. but it's just Kabil, who at least, even if she doesn't have a lot of training, although right. she kind of like She's holds her own, right? She's supposed to be this resistance fighter. Then it's fighter. even two against one. Right. And we're, Kate Beckinsale and we're can hold there. her own there, too. So. And, and there's just – at some point, you cannot give up that much weight. I, right. I, don't, I don't care how good you're trained. She has taken down some vampires and yeah. some werewolves. And I don't want to hear well, you right. bad mouth Kate Beckinsale. And then that's okay. But the combination of those two things, if right. you want to have Kate Beckinsale be in a movie and being a, bad, being a badass and know how to fight, right. it can't be up against the person that she's even scared of. Right. I mean, she knows who – eventually she knows who he is. She doesn't right. know at the time they're fighting or whatever. But he is, like, also super trained, whatever right. the hellness. You just can't have that. If you want to have her be a badass, then right. have have her fight, you know, a few street toughs or right. you know, just like some punk people who don't sure, really have know. her get mugged coming home. No, they're just, just decimate right. people. Right. right. Then you know, that's very fun, easy, but, but right. Anyway, so, so that's anyway. just a little gripe. And like I said, the main problem of it is that you stick those two together. If, if well, if they she, fight. If they she fight fights like, with him, and it right, and it's over quickly, and someone right. wins, then fine. Right. Anyway. Well, they have 15 different fights that are about 14 minutes long each time, and no one ever gets the upper hand. He's just very good at running and right. being elusive. And now, I do I do have a question. We, we have to wrap this up. Yeah, we're in the wrap-up um, Because now. you were going... Uh, you're going like more negative than I originally thought, and I actually meant to ask you this before, but it's probably better that I ask you now. I'm curious what you thought of that part at the end. We don't necessarily have to give it away, but at the end of the movie, Kate Beckinsale's there one last time, right? I guess I don't even remember that. <laughs> this movie was so... Unremarkable. It, it's the very end of the movie. Colin Farrell is in the ambulance. Oh, right. Yeah. What did, I, did I like that? Just what did you think about that at all? Should we just should we just not have that all together? Was it okay? Did it do anything for you? I don't think had it had written off the movie completely I by had, that point. No, anyway? because I was still trying to have fun with it. I was still feeling a little frustrated with it. I, I guess in hindsight, it doesn't do anything for me, but seems a little confusing. 
it's it's reminiscent of these scenes like with Die Hard when McLean has finally got out of the building. He's bleeding everywhere. He's got and his wife. And then there's that one last and guy. And then the one last guy miraculously finds his automatic rifle, whips it up, right, and everyone right. gets one more shot at, right. at beating the bad guy. It was it was kind of like that. Okay. This, you know what it was? Now that I think back about it, it is exactly that. It is Wiseman's attempt to be original but still lift the best parts of other action films. Okay, now, here's the thing, and this can be just my own crazy take, but I really liked that scene exactly for the reason that it's like every every action movie. It almost stamps it as an action film. But when it first starts happening, Mm -hmm. you get really scared that it's going to be something else. Because when it first starts happening, he wakes up, and he starts hearing... Things about he's hearing the echoes of he's hearing yeah. he's hearing about like being in the recall place, and and it's like oh my god what's going on right <laughs> and right. I thought that was cool that it's like I can appreciate it we're right? gonna t- we're gonna take this little kind of goofy nod mm-hmm. to goofy things that action movies do but we've got our own way to spin it because he's still not sure where he is in his mind even right. at the end of the movie. Right. When Jessica Biel comes up to him, it's the very end, and she's like, are you okay? And, you know, he did actually do a really great turn, I thought, the in that second. exact scene. Right. All that bullcrap that, you know, the the last moment we see Beckinsale is another attempt to do the mind right, job. Right. It's a, just one more attempt to be like Verhoeven, whether it was basic and, instinct or total recall. But it affords Colin Farrell a throwaway moment that is absolutely so cool. Right. I thought that was awesome when, you know, it's so weird to go through all this stuff of this movie and then Jessica Biel just asks him if he's okay. Right. And he, like, pauses. He does one like thing. He doesn't know. Yeah. yeah. And it's like he doesn't know even where to go with right. that question anymore because he's been, like, so mind-raped in eight different ways, yeah. including by himself yeah. and everything. Anyway, okay. I think we're uh we've we're only got a enough, few yeah. minutes left yeah and uh, maybe we've done that movie to death i thought it was yeah. i thought it was really fun yeah. and i thought it was a really good um execution of what we were trying to do not that it didn't have problems because especially like you were saying with bill nighy right that could have gone on longer bill nighy starts going you know you're just the construction of you know, this and that, right. right? But I thought that's an interesting thing that Bill Nighy, the way he gives that line, because he, you know, he wants to be himself. He comes and he goes, I want you to, I want to be myself or whatever, right? right? <laughs> and that's the question, right? right? I mean, do you want to be yourself? Right. Aren't you yourself? Even if you don't remember your past, aren't you still yourself? Who right. who do you want to be? And who are, and you know, there's if he had asked any one of those, that would have been We could better. have played a lot more with what was going yeah. on, but for what it was, I had plenty of fun. So you in, gave in it movie. you give it I think probably like I would probably give that like a four. Yeah, this I is think. what I thought. This would be the, this would be the biggest one. It is for me it's it's it, did it. it hit all. The, it, I'm fine. For you, it hit all the fun stuff. So I'm fine with you know that crazy summer movie that you've been right. like waiting, waiting to have to more have. of. Oh man, I wanted and, one. And I, I thought it, I thought it worked fine. Yeah. I didn't really need it to have a lot of stuff to say. I yeah. think it said enough stuff to get you through the chases, and it had yeah. tons of cool action scenes. And here's the other thing: is like you're asking me which one I like better. 
And I thought you were going to weasel out of this. No, and like answer? that is a hard question to answer, right? Because hurry. I feel like they're different. But I would watch this one again before I would watch the first one again. I don't really feel no. like I have a whole lot of interest huh. in watching the original one again. We, we're, we're on different you know, I wanted to like this. I thought it looked like a lot of fun. It looked like the kind of summer movie I really wanted. But Wiseman just doesn't do it. He, he. If you look at it one way, he kind of pays homage to things, but it's not really homage. He just took too much from other films that I thought did everything better, ranging from the easy stuff of like Blade Runner to Minority Report, which even though I love that car scene, it total Minority Report. Yeah. To the robot soldiers, which is totally iRobot. I mean, we you thought it was more. Star Wars. I can see that too. It just made me think of it. He just he underutilized his talent. He didn't direct the talent well, as evidenced by Bill Nighy and Brian Cranston. He did fine with Colin Farrell. You know, the story takes too many long pauses just to show you how glitzy and flashbang it is without paying attention to things that are really important in a story that's about important things: who we are, who do you trust, what do you believe, who do you want to be, all the things that you just went through. There's even an annoying moment where he pays a homage to J.J. Abrams with the most friggin' unnecessary set of lens flares I've ever seen in my life that never show up again. Yeah. This film was a disappointment, and it is two stars. Wow. So That's still not that big a difference, no. though. We gotta, we gotta go. Yeah, okay. Um, we got like ten seconds right. or something like that. So um, so we've got four stars and two stars. It's one of the biggest differences. That's the biggest gap so far. Uh, thanks for tuning in and check us out at rescreening.com. Thanks. Thanks. Look at that. We- Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with a spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway. Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with a spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway.